0: G'day, welcome along to another sermon from Good News Christian Church in Howrah, Tasmania, Australia. I'm Bernard Kane. I'm the pastor. Get in touch sometime at goodnewschristianchurch.org, or why not come by one Sunday morning. For now, here's the sermon. Uh, so, folks, this week and next, we're going to spend just a couple of um, a couple of sermons, a couple of weeks, exploring the topic of consumerism consumerism. Uh, From time to time here at Good News, we we sort of step aside, don't we, from our main diet of of working and preaching through whole books of the Bible to take in some topical preaching uh, or some thematic preaching, looking at a a theme through the Bible. Um, Today we're going to be uh, looking at uh, this this topic and bringing the Bible to bear on it. So today and next week, consumerism. Uh, Now, Uh, What's our approach going to be? Or perhaps you're thinking a little, just a step further back, Um, Hang on a second, Uh, just remind me what consumerism uh, is again. Um, It's one of those terms, isn't it, where I I suspect we could all, we all have a bit of a sense of what it is, but maybe it just would take us a little moment to muddle out uh, a definition. What is consumerism? Why is that? Well, it's because it's just the air that we breathe, isn't it? We live in a consumerist um, world. I think it's fair to say it's the fabric of so much of our culture, um, especially so much of our advertising or our shopping or our experience of the internet. Uh, it approaches us as consumers. Um, we're encouraged, is this fair to say, even urged and sometimes tricked into consuming more and more and more uh, in ever-increasing and ever-more expensive doses and businesses and people want to convince us, uh, persuade us to, have, uh, to get and amass and enjoy and experience more. Uh, So consumerism has become really an entire way of looking at our world, would you agree? An entire way of looking at our world which we are all wooed toward and which puts us, which puts me, the consumer, at the centre of my little universe. Um, So I come to think that I win at life In proportion to how much I'm able to command for my enjoyment, to satisfy my desires uh, and use for my own devices. Um, And slightly more troublingly, uh, consumerism therefore persuades me to believe that all that matters in this life is the consuming bit. Uh, All that matters in this life is how many goods and how much wealth what breadth of experience or excitement I can um, leech from life. And then can you relate to this? Slowly but surely, I'm taught to measure my worth and your worth, my significance and your significance, how valuable I am as a person and how valuable you are as a person, by the wealth that I command, the quality and the frequency of my, you know, Instagram-worthy experiences, how many things I can demand and of what quality they are in life. My worth can be measured by what I can amass for myself, for my enjoyment, my bank account, for all the things that I consume. Uh, Here then are two main dangers to which rich people are exposed. Uh, This is the late John Stott and he's talking about you folks, any of us, we're the rich people in this quote, any of us in our Western capitalist society. Here then are two main dangers to which rich people are exposed. Pride, so looking down on the poor, and materialism, enjoying the gift and forgetting the giver. Wealth, he says, can spoil our two noblest relationships, it makes us forget God and despise our fellow human beings. Uh, So there's our structure for this week and next folks, Uh, wealth can spoil our two noblest relationships, it can make us forget God, that's this week, and despise our fellow human beings. Uh, So this week consumerism makes me forget God, next week consumerism leads me to despise my fellow human beings. Can we pray together as we come to God's Word here in Matthew chapter 6? Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, we are reminded as we come to this topic of consumerism, we're reminded of the words of Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things, who can understand it? Father, we pray, would you please use your word today, this very morning, to diagnose a very subtle and a very subversive way of looking at the world that we have learned from our culture, that we've imbibed and drawn in, that we breathe in every day. Would you please speak to us with the clear and compelling voice uh, of your word that calls us to our senses, that awakens us from our slumber? God, would you do that? This very morning. And beyond that, would you please teach us a new way, a countercultural way of living that restores and repairs those noble relationships that you call us to? God, bring the gospel to bear this morning in power in our lives, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, a non-Christian writer who I quote from time to time and, and who I just really enjoy reading, benefit from enormously is this bloke, um, Alain de Botton. Um, have you got around to reading his stuff yet? It really is great. If you're a reader, you'd, you'd, um, you'd very much enjoy it, Alain de Botton. Um, so he's a non-Christian social philosopher. What does that mean? It means that he thinks an awful lot and he writes a lot about what it is that makes ordinary people tick um in life. Uh plus he's he's a crystal clear communicator and writer which is just it's delightful. Uh anyway, d- uh Alan De Botton, he makes this very insightful insightful point and let's keep it in mind as we come to this topic of uh consumerism because he wants to say uh well yes, in the modern world of course we consumers Um, Of course, that's just part of the air, We're, we're trained to think like that, we are bombarded with that message from all sorts of different fronts, we hoard and we consume and we gorge ourselves on all sorts of different things. But, he says, there's more going on in our hearts, isn't there? We're not just consumers and we know it, we know that there is more to life, we have this inner sense that there is more to life than just how much... We consume, and it seems to be stitched into our uh, into our very fibers. So he said, non Christian guy puts it like this. He says, "When does a job feel meaningful? Whenever it allows us to generate delight or reduce suffering in others." Though he says, though we are often taught to think of ourselves as inherently selfish the longing to act meaningfully in our work seems just as stubborn a part of our makeup as our appetite for status or money. It is because we are meaning focused animals rather than simply materialistic ones that we can reasonably contemplate surrendering job security for a career helping to bring drinking water to rural Malawi or might quit a job in consumer goods, perhaps manufacturing biscuits, for one in cardiac nursing, aware that when it comes to improving the human condition, a well-controlled defibrillator has the edge over even the finest biscuit. <laughs> Can you relate to that thirst for for meaning and significance and Uh, which curbs and does blunt our insatiable kind of appetite for more and more and more to consume, I think we can, can't we? We desire to live a life that um, means something and we know that we're built for something, yes, more noble, and and I don't just mean our working lives, but in our family lives, in our significant relationships, uh, in our free time, so to speak. Uh, rather than just everything I do and touch uh, needs to be about buying, consuming. Um, But then we have still within us this appetite, don't we, for status and money as de Botton puts it. Uh, Well, if you can relate to that inner tussle, that's where I want to begin, because if you can relate to that inner tussle at all, between the call to uh, that appetite for consumption, while at the same time, uh, this being, uh, knowing yourself a meaning-focused animal... Uh, then Jesus is absolutely speaking your language. Can we take another look at Matthew chapter 6 here, Matthew chapter 6 verse 19, where Jesus calls on his hearers there in the Sermon on the Mount, calls on them, do not stir uh, store up for yourselves. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, All we're going to do today is answer two really simple questions aimed at um, unravelling something of our consumerist hearts and then wrapping them back together around Jesus. That's all that we're going to do and the first of those questions uh, is, is woven right in there in verse 19, Jesus' words there in verse 19. Jesus wants to ask a question about what we value in life, doesn't He? Uh, what we treasure in life, what value do you place on the things of this world and what value do you place On the things of the Lord. Verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Verse 21, for where your treasure is there your heart will be also. So there's the opening question, where lies the real treasure of your heart and of your life? The things that you value, the things that you long for, the things that you perhaps uh, dream about drifting off to sleep, where lie the things that you truly value and treasure uh, and cherish and long for and live for? Are your treasures made of the stuff that you find lying around here on planet Earth or is your real treasure, is your joy, is your delight these treasures of heaven that Jesus speaks about here? I trust that we know what the right answer is supposed to be. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You get the sense from what Jesus is saying here. You know what the right answer is supposed to be. Um, in a similar way, just, just as a, 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 a light illustrative um, point, in a similar way... Uh, you know the story of the hare and the tortoise? The hare and the tortoise, you remember that old uh, story. Have you ever stopped to reflect on that as, as an adult or, uh, you know, even if you're not quite an adult yet, have you stopped to pause and reflect on how that story actually works? That The slow tortoise, you see, plodding along, never stopping. Um, dreary, slow tortoise, beats that speedy hare who has serious attitude problems, Um, full of himself, forever uh, taking a break and whatever. Carol Dweck, right, Carol Dweck makes this ingenious little comment about the hare and the tortoise story. Now have a listen because I reckon it's got a wonderful little parallel in this story with Jesus. Here's what Carol Dweck says, she says, as children we were given the choice between the talented but erratic hare and the plodding but steady tortoise. The lesson was supposed to be that slow and steady wins the race. But really, did any of us ever want to be the tortoise? It's genius, isn't it? She says, no, we just wanted to be a less foolish hare. We want it to be swift as the wind and a bit more strategic, uh, say, not taking quite so many snoozes before the finish line. And I wonder, friends, is that a parallel to our consumerist hearts and what our hearts cook up with Jesus' words here? It boils down to this. Do I really have to choose? Do you see? Do I really have to choose? Can't I be a slightly better hair. Uh, We we understand that excessive love, like excessive love for material things, if I give God nothing, then sure, that's a bit of a problem, Uh, that would be bad, but isn't there a middle ground? Can't I treasure both, really, can't I? Uh, Skip down to verse 24, if you've got it in front of you folks, because I wonder, could Jesus be much clearer here? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Cannot. And this is coming from Jesus. It's not just a, some mere social philosopher, it's coming from God and He knows, He knows within us, He knows my desire for a nice house or how great it would be to get that, that nicer car or, or the trip to Bali or to the Caribbean or, or the, the investment that's just too good to pass up at the present time. Gosh, that's going gonna, gonna to skyrocket. It's not a question of whether good things are good, <laughs> It's not a question of whether they're good things or not. God made them all. God knows what a good thing is because He made them. Here's the question, who is your treasure? You see, much more searching. What do you value? Uh, And just by the way here, this language of treasures in heaven, heaven here you understand, heaven doesn't just mean way off in the afterlife, right? Store up treasures uh, in heaven as in for someday maybe down the track. No, no, here in Matthew's Gospel, and if we've read it from the start we'd have got this sense, um, heaven just means where God is. So our Father in heaven, chapter 6 verse 1 and chapter 6 verse 9, our Father in heaven, it's just where God is, uh, or chapter 3 verse 1, the kingdom of heaven is near, shouted John the Baptist when Jesus was just around the corner. Do you understand that? Heaven is just where God is, it's where His presence is. So do you treasure and value, do you see, the things of God and prize them and serve them and give yourself to His kingdom? Or does your heart cling, does my heart cling to all that will one day be thrown on the tip and crushed and mangled and rust and become landfill, It's embarrassing as it it is to say. No one, verse 24, Jesus says, can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And uh, John Stott's words again, I think just capture it Uh, beautifully but bluntly and a little troublingly where he says, we cannot maintain a good life of extravagance and a good conscience simultaneously. One or the other has to be sacrificed. Either, he says, either we keep our conscience and reduce our affluence or we keep our affluence and we smother our Conscience. We have to choose between God and mammon. Now, brothers and sisters, if Stott's right there, and I think he is, he's basically just rewording what Jesus said, then how do we feel about that, O oh, children of the modern era, O oh, children of this consumerist world in which we live? How do we feel about that? Trained as we are to consume and amass and enjoy and experience. Uh, Well acquainted, uh, surrounded even really by extravagance. It's what's emblazoned on our every sort of advertising billboard. It's what pops up on our social media feeds. It's every, the life of extravagance beckons us, doesn't it? We cannot maintain a good life of extravagance and a good conscience simultaneously. Uh, There's some food for thought. The second question in our passage, the second question we're going to consider today, though. Uh, It's no less dramatic or deep or disturbing in its own way, although there's a massive comfort in it. Uh, And I reckon it is another question of value, of worth, of treasure, of importance. So I'm going to read this next little bit uh, in the passage and I'd like you to listen out for it, would you please? Listen out for what question regarding this value and treasure and importance and worth, what question is Jesus trying to answer there? Uh, What does he desperately want his hearers, back there in the Sermon on the Mount, to know and believe and hold on to in this whole area of worth and and value? Verse 25, let's read there together. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, King Solomon from the Old Testament, a king, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Brothers and sisters this morning, I think we need to listen, don't we? We need to listen to Jesus' words here for people who want to, desire to, but struggle to release their grasp and their worries on the, of the things of this world. To loosen their fingers around the treasures of earth. Uh, or even just the concerns and pressures and worries of earthly existence. So may I put it to you, I think here is the question of worth that you need to hear. Um, Here is the question that you need to hear a compelling answer to if you're going to throw off consumerism successfully in the modern world. Um, Here's the question, it's not so much what do I value, it's not so much what is my treasure, it's not so much what is God worth to me, is he my treasure no no this is the second question how much does god value me how much does god value me how much does god value you see we fret and we worry don't we i stress we stress about my life and my body and my clothes and my food or my hair or my tomorrow and we do it in such a way that says, look, I'm looking out for me because nobody else will, no one else is looking out for me and no one else has looked out for me, I have to look out for me. And friends, isn't that the very nub of consumerism? I have to worry about me about my life more than anything else, it's not like anyone else is going to worry about me but friends that is a lie, do you see it in the passage? Do you remember Stott's words, wealth can spoil our two noblest relationships? It makes me what? It makes me forget God and despise our fellow human beings but Jesus says, store up treasure in heaven therefore don't worry but how? Well, are you not much more valuable than the birds? Verse verse 26. And the consumerist says, well, of course I'm more valuable than the birds. I'm more valuable to me. I'm I'm much more valuable to me. Then you need to know this. The God who feeds those birds, verse 26, is your heavenly Father. Uh, See how the lilies of the fields grow? Have you been enjoying those this spring? They've cropped up and bloomed and it's it's so beautiful, the flowers. That's the work of God, verse 30. And will he not much more clothe you, verse 30, who is that? That's your, verse 32, heavenly father, your heavenly father. Now, is it worth saying at this point, yeah, of course you're still going to have to work for it. Of course, you're still going to have to work for food and clothes and all of those kinds of things. That's not the point here. You see, there's a world of difference, though, between work and worry. Work for what you need in this life as someone who knows that you need not worry. For your Heavenly Father values you, treasures you, knows you, loves you and counts you as one of His own, your Heavenly Father and I don't know about you folks, but for me, the most precious and encouraging phrase in that entire paragraph, Jesus says all this to who? Oh, you of little faith. Can we see a little bit more clearly of the security, that the treasure that we have in heaven, in the presence of God? Uh, now, just as we conclude um, there's a passage which I'm hoping that we're going to get to next Sunday, but which I'd just like to briefly put before us today. It's probably the verse, whenever we think about wealth in this world, uh, I reckon it's the verse that we need to have in front of our eyes. We hear some Christians, don't you, claim some, I want to say, ridiculous and thoroughly unbiblical things about wealth from time to time and about how much you'll succeed as a, as a Christian in this world. I'm not convinced that it's at all biblical. Um, anyway, I wish they would dwell more deeply on this verse that we're about to look at. Um, but for us today, it squarely answers this question. Our second question, how much does God value me? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 uh, reminds us of this, where it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Are you a treasured possession in the hands of our God? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. It's not just talking about material wealth, friends. Christ who enjoyed the eternal glory of heaven... Set aside those riches to enter our world for you, live His life for you, die on the cross for you, under the judgment of God for you. Why? That you might enjoy the riches of the very heavenly presence of God in glory and wonder and majesty, yes, for eternity, but even now, as a loved and valued child of your heavenly Father by His Spirit. See, do we begin to see the heavenly uh, riches, the treasures that we hold in our very hands in the Gospel of Jesus, even down here on earth. Um, To to close, you've heard the phrase, haven't you? We have this phrase, to the man who holds a hammer, everything looks like a nail. To the man who holds a hammer, everything looks like, and the whole world's a nail. Uh, To the one who is a consumer, everything, well... Looks like something or someone to just be consumed. Uh, Alan de Botton again. He has he has a phrase like it or an experience like it. Remember, he's an author. He says, uh, "Accountants, right? A- accountancy." He says, "Accountancy lends its practitioners a particular way of looking at the world." The accountants ask me not how or why one writes a book. <laughs> no, accountants ask whether tax on a particular title is payable across a few years or must wholly be paid at the moment of publication. Uh, they are like, he says, renal surgeons for whom one is first and foremost always a kidney. Or our phrase, to the, to the man who holds a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So here's the question I want us to dwell upon as we, as we close. To the one who holds the riches of Christ, the treasures of heaven, in their very hands, then everyone around them looks like a what? In other words, as we grow in our appreciation of Christ, as we settle into our value, our sense of value in the eyes of God and how much He treasures us in the Gospel of Jesus, guaranteed in the cross of Christ for us, as we expand our sense of thanks and gratitude to our Heavenly Father and I guess fall out of love with the things of this world, as we realise how rich we are in the Gospel, how will we see the rich, so to speak, of this world? To the one who holds the treasures of heaven in his or her hands, everyone looks like someone who we can help become rich. Will we long to consume their things quite so much or will we look to share our riches just a little more freely? Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, our Father, the giver of every good gift the one from whom all blessings in this life flow. Lord, please awaken, would you, our sleepy hearts, open up our drooping eyes to see the riches of Christ that we hold in the gospel, your great gifts of forgiveness. We're free from sin, of salvation. We're liberated from judgment, of assurance. We know where we're going. Of adoption into your family, we are children of the living God. Father, we confess before you this morning that in our sleepiness, the things of this world and even good things, especially good things, have become such treasures to us that they have eclipsed even your grace. We've allowed our sense of joy to grow dull, Uh, We've felt our anxieties and our worries grow as a result as we obsess over the things of this world. Father, we've allowed things and our demand and appetite for them rob us of a sense of the world's heavenly poverty around us, as well as a sense of your grace. Father, we live among a spiritually poor people and yet we hold riches beyond what we dare imagine in our very hands. God, would you please empower us, even this week, perhaps even today, to rediscover, re-establish that noble relationship with you that you call us to in the Gospel, in terms of treasuring the things of you ahead of the things of this earth. And to do that without regret or longing or pining after the things of this world, to see a life of meaning for the beautiful thing that it is, and so to walk in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus. And we ask it in his name. Amen.